Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T minus 37 seconds. The fight is E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ryan Treasure. Welcome to the show. Uh, Jeff is out taking a little time off, so I'm jumping in doing this show solo today. And uh, we want to thank everybody out there for uh, joining and listening. Uh, don't forget, you can find us all over uh, the social sphere at Radio Ryan 1, at Jeff Spinney 2, and of course, the Finding a Frequency website, uh, findingafrequency.net. We have a really, really cool show for you guys today, uh, some uh, important information. I think that everybody's going to like to hear uh, uh, great guests that we're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, this next guest is an author, a culture innovation consultant, a widely regarded speaker who empowers people uh, and companies to reimagine the future of work through work life success. She's an in-demand speaker. Uh, she's been on stage at numerous high profile conferences, including South by Southwest and TEDx uh, and many others. Also an award winning independent journalist whose work can be found in the New York Times, uh, Fortune, Newsweek and some other high-profile media outlets. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Leeson Stromper. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Ryan. This is great. Awesome. Well, I know that uh, the reason we're doing the show today is we kind of have, you know, a topic that I think is near and dear to everybody's heart. You know, everybody who's uh, out there in the workplace, always trying to figure out, you know, what is that work-life balance? And I know it's uh, it's it's more challenging uh, uh, work-life balance when you have kids and, you know, other uh, uh, other variables that you deal with in your day-to-day life. And, you know, so that's what we're going to talk about today. It's not a it's not a half hour an hour conversation. That's for sure. We could spend hours talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, before we get into you know all of those pieces about the book and all the cool things that you're doing, you know, uh, finding a frequency is really about it's it's about the journey. It's about that you know uh, aha moment. You know, and so let's just kind of take a step back just a little bit, and you know, I want you to have the opportunity to kind of tell us, you know, where did all of this start for you? Where was that point where you went? You know what? I need to do what I'm doing right now. Ooh, that's a great question. And I think that's a, it's a constantly evolving question, right? And the reason it's evolving is that I change, my environment change, my situation changes, and always being clear on it is what matters to me. Um, in this specific, what I wrote the book about, uh, Work Pause Thrive, was I was really writing about my own journey and the journey of so many successful women I knew who'd actually, after they'd had children, downshifted their careers because they couldn't find work-life balance, you know, the elusive work-life balance, and created their own narrative and their own paths. And it was the stories that, that I found so compelling. I interviewed 186 women, and their stories were so compelling, and they matched mine. I was in the workplace. I had a really great career. Things were going really well. Had a second child. I had one child, and that was okay. Second child kind of hit a wall. I had an environment that didn't support me as a working mother and said, this isn't working, and I've got to figure something else out. And so for me, that was just one of many aha moments about how the workplace supports those of us with caregiving responsibilities, or even us as humans, (laughs) and what the workplace can do to change it so we can be more supportive of each other and um, the great talent that's that's 
that's yeah, there and should it, be there. Yeah, because it's not just, you know, it's not just those of us with kids. It's, you know, anybody in the workplace. You've got to kind of, you know, find that fine line between, you know, rest and relaxation. And then also, you know, making sure that you do your due diligence and, and be professional and do a good job and, and do a quality work, you know. Oh, Ryan, you're saying something that's so important and so powerful. This conversation around work-life balance often happens for those of us with caregiving responsibilities, typically parents. But so many people are caregiving for, you know, neighbors, friends, loved ones, parents, themselves, right? And Our furry friends. We got furry friends in the mix, too. Say that again? I said we got furry friends in the mix, too. Of course, my one of my closest friends. She doesn't have kids, and her parents are doing fine. But she's got two dogs, and those, you know those dogs are a challenge. And I understand that. Yep. And I think as coworkers and teammates, having a conversation about how can I support you in helping you fully bring yourself to work and whatever your responsibilities are, how do I have your back, and how do we each other have a back? so powerful important yeah i definitely agree and you know it's it's definitely important uh i think even you know when you, when you talk about having people's backs too it's you know you know not just your your internal sphere your family too but you know um you know hopefully like your coworkers and your customers too right hopefully they understand some of those things you know um being in the media business and, and, and doing what we do, uh, you know, we have, you know, almost 500 customers that we, we work with. And so customer service is extremely important. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I hate telling somebody no, but at the same time, if you don't set some type of a boundary, you know, in, in your, uh, you know, in your tenure, when you're working with somebody, whether it's a coworker or a customer, you have to set that boundary or you'll be answering phone calls at 10 o'clock at night, you know, um, or, or whatever the case may be, especially if you're, you know, uh, you know, like me, for instance, I'm, I'm the, I'm the IT department. I, I'm the, I'm the answers guy, you know? And so I get a lot of questions tossed my way. And if I don't set that boundary, I won't have a work-life balance. It'll be all work and no life. <laughs> well, you know, Ryan, you're saying something so powerful and so important, which is, and in, in the research I did for the book was it was so inspiring to me for me to see these incredible trailblazing women have exactly what you're talking about that internal compass that says I am committed to being successful to you my client my team whatever but in order for me to do that I need to have some healthy boundaries and so they were very clear about when they were available what how they would respond you know whatever it was and once they were clear about it and consistent about it it was a completely successful partnership. People, their clients, their their coworkers, their even their family members understood, okay, this is when you're available and I totally get it. And I know that when you're available, you're gonna give me your full attention. And I think that healthy boundary is hard to come by in this 24 seven world that we're living in. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge point that you bring, you know, when you, when you talk about attention, right? Because it's one thing to be available like all the time, but it's another thing to be available and attentive. And if you're not rested, yeah. if you're not, you know, you know, ready for that engagement with a coworker, a customer, or whatever the case may be, then, you know, you, you can't show that much attention. And if you're trying to do too much stuff or you're trying to do two things at one time, even though I know people are like, oh, I multitask. Yeah, no, you don't. Nobody multitasks. You have, <laughs> and, I mean, you might multitask, but how good are you actually doing what the two things you're doing at the same time, right? <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> You're absolutely right. So I, I want to back up and tell you a little thing that I discovered, which to me was so inspiring. And it was com- that the most successful women I uh, interviewed for the book, they weren't um, focused on work-life balance. They saw that as, a, because they said, 
I love my career and I love my family life. And those two are com complete me. They're not in opposite, you know, they're on, on opposite sides of the scale. And so they talked about what I call, or I heard them say things about time mastery. I have the opportunity and the empowerment to actually manage my time and get all the things I need to get done and in partnership with my team, my employers, my clients. And that time mastery meant I'm in charge of my time and I'm accountable to you to deliver what I commit to doing. It's a whole new way of thinking about work-life balance and kind of throwing that out the window and saying, it's truly work-life integration. And in, to be successful when I integrate work and life means I have to have time mastery. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and, and as we as we talk about mastery too, I think there's kind of uh, an important uh, piece that um, I think our listeners would definitely get some some value out of. And, you know, looking back at, you know, your career and you write and, and you you're like, oh, I wrote this book for a reason. But before you wrote mm -hmm. the book, I mean, you were a, 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 in marketing and in business and you worked for some, you know, large corporate companies and, you know, you're out there grinding, doing your thing and, you know, trying to make a name for yourself, all that working your way up the corporate ladder. Right. And then and then and then then you had kids. Is that kind of how that story went? And then because I think that's, that's important. Literally for, how that story went. The story went was I was on the on, and I love your word, the corporate corporate ladder. Look, I was on that what I call the linear career path. <laughs> Each rung up the ladder means I'm farther and farther up. And what I've realized in my own career, which was so not linear, you know, if you really deconstructed my career path, I've had about seven different careers. And the answer is, I'm not unique. I'm actually a reflection of so many, particularly millennial careers, where we're seeing them integrate all these different sides of themselves and doing all these different things and the totality of what they do makes them right. you know great at what they are and who they are and i think that's a narrative that whole notion of this non-linear career this kind of pivoting career if you will um is something that just didn't exist frankly when i when my kids were 20 years ago I mean, was a while ago when they were all new and it's but it is happening now and we're seeing it happen but what's happening is corporations and and institutions aren't recognizing that's that's the new truth no, no. With that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's not, it's not quite the same as where, you know, you get out of college and, you know, let's say you're, you know, you were, a, you know, you had your MBA in business or whatever it is, you know, you have a Which lot. Which I did. Right. And I think, <laughs> yeah, you did at Berkeley, right? Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. I have an uncle that lives right over there in Albany. Nice. Yeah, nice. I love Beautiful. that. I love that part of the world. Uh, but back to the point, right? It's like when you get out of college and you're not, you're not on a straight line anymore. You used to be, it used to be, you get out of college, whatever your major is, boom, you go get a job and you do that major. And then you work and you work for, you know, 40 years and you retire or whatever the case may be. And it's not like that anymore. Like even, even with my career, when it started out, mine was like that. It was, I got out of college. I'm, I'm, I'm driving a line. Uh, and then the dot com era hit, right? And then now all of a sudden, you know, you're working in radio and it's like radio's not radio anymore. Radio's digital. You better know how to use a computer. You better know how to do, you know, um, all of these IT skills, which were not radio based things back when I started. And now, you know, here I am 20 some odd years later and it's like, wow, I can write code. I can build a website. So, you know, yeah, I do radio, but I do so much more. You're, right. You're the perfect example of what I see as true success is someone who's willing to completely innovate and re-innovate and keep learning and growing and aren't locked into kind of this old way of being and doing well and that's kind you of what you did trend, with the book you saw right? what needed to happen right yeah well and that's kind of what you did with the book you're you know like climbing that corporate ladder you have kids and then you're going wait a minute wait a minute Something's i, I gotta figure something out <laughs> this isn't working for me <laughs> yeah 
Well, and you know, the other thing that, that I think is really fascinating is there's this huge trend, and you've heard this, of course, the whole concept of a side hustle. I saw one piece of research that said 60% of millennials have a side hustle. I don't know that they're really side hustles. I think it's just a, a continuing expression of their many skills that we didn't yeah. have the freedom to do before. We really were binary before, and now we're not. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I ride, that. I ride that line, right? You know, I was born in, I was born in '80, right? So I ride yeah. that line where, you know, some people would consider me a millennial. I don't necessarily consider myself a millennial. Um, there's some, yeah. some, some pretty, stra- some pretty drastic differences between myself and, you know, some of the my millennial cohorts. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I think a lot of people are, their side hustle isn't, it's, it's part of who they are. I have a side hustle too, right? But I don't call yeah. it a side hustle. My side hustle is learning more about stuff, right? I love that. It's like, oh my God. It's like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Well, you know what? I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone and I'm going to go take on a project for a friend, you know, for a coworker even, or whatever the case may be that, you know, obviously I'm not doing something that interferes with, you know, Voice America or World Talk Radio or what we do here. But at the same time, I have this like... An insatiable quest for knowledge of any type and sort, right? And you know, uh, I guess I, it's my quest to be the most awesome Renaissance man. Um, and- I love it, but wait, no, so you're <laughs> saying something so powerful and so important, right? And you're talking about kind of time mastery in a whole new way, which is almost life mastery. You're looking about the richness of who you are as an individual and what fills your soul, and you're willing to go and make those things happen and still deliver to your workplace the way you need to with excellence, right? But think about the employers. Many employers are afraid of that. They think if you're not all in all of the time, then you're not committed to my my job or my you know where we are. I think that is something that really needs to shift. If if any of your listeners are are bosses or employers, they need to be thinking about their employees as not kind of clocking in and doing FaceTime, but really a full expression of their employees, so they won't leave and they get their great talent. Yeah, you know, that's a, a really good point. And I can't remember. I think it was Richard Branson, right? He said something like, you want to uh, you want to uh, train your people well enough, right, that they can go do something else if they wanted to, but you pay them and treat them well enough that they wouldn't they won't go do that. Exactly you know? right. And, and if that's not the definition of a modern workplace. I don't know what is. Yeah. And I, I really like that idea. And, you know, the other thing I think that's really cool is when you talk about that mastery component and you're looking at, you know, learning new skills and stuff and and how the employer looks at that, you know, and and you're right. There was a time early on in my career where, you know, my boss was like, when I first kind of got into this business and, you know, I'm at the very bottom of the totem pole, but I'm, I'm, I've always been wanting to learn more. And you could, I could tell that my boss was like, you know, Oh man, I got to watch out for this one, you know, because, you know, and, and here I am now VP of this company. Um, And it's because of those things. It's because of, you know, Jeff Spinard knowing, hey, you know what? Ryan's may not, you know, be at home doing customer service 24 hours a day, but I know that whatever he is doing, even though it may not be for the company, it's something the company can use. And there's been a lot of times where we've brought some, you know, new innovative ideas to the table that I learned not here. I learned elsewhere doing something else and have been able to, you know, create a revenue stream for the company based off some of those. And I think more companies, uh, more bosses, more CEOs need to take note of of uh, the multifaceted skills of some of their employees because some of those can open up new revenue opportunities for the company. Well, that's 
so brilliant. If we don't focus on allowing creativity to thrive and allowing those opportunities for creativity to thrive and don't make that connection between creativity and profitability, we're never going to succeed, right? I mean, so your boss, God bless you, Jeff, is really, wherever you are today, is really understanding that, hey, this is what's going to make us successful. And of course, as you said, you brought in new revenue streams, things that we never would have done if you hadn't been out and available to explore other parts of yourself and allow your curiosity to grow. But I want to um, sweep back to one of the things that, that you mentioned, I think it's so important. When we talk about work-life balance, we're really talking about a more subtle thing, which is this feeling of where else do I need to be? Or am I fulfilling my responsibilities? Or all that guilt that flows into it. I know I certainly <laughs> had a lot of that. And I think if we can really address that and talk about it is so important because I think we're able to free ourselves if we can get beyond that. Yeah. I think we you, definitely need to talk that? about that. 100%. Yeah. I mean, that happens to me every day. I mean, from the work life balance component, you know, like as soon as I leave the house in the morning, I'm like conflicted, right? I'm, I'm like, Oh, is my daughter going to be good at school today? Does she going to remember her ID? Oh my goodness. Did I, does she have, did I put money on the lunch thing? Oh my goodness. Oh, or did she take her lunch today? Oh, I can't remember. Oh my gosh. Oh, and my client's calling me, you know, and, and you know, there is, there's that guilt. And then it's the opposite way. Like at the end of the day, you know, you go home, you pick up your kid and then now you're transitioning into like family life. And then it's like, Oh, wait a minute. Did I remember to check that last email? Did I send so-and-so the file? Did I, you know, and then you're kind of feeling guilty and then you end up with a struggle and then you're at home and you're trying to make dinner and then you're looking at your emails on your phone and you're not being attentive to your kids and then your work-life balance just goes out the window. <laughs> it's it's so exactly, you've nailed something so right, which is it's our emotional state that creates the anxiety and the guilt and the confusion, right? And and the thing that I found really fascinating when I interviewed all the women from my book, Work Off Thrive, was this fascinating thing where they looked at their life as an accordion. So many of them said there are moments in the time where I'm just crunched and I'm, you know, or I'm stretched as the case may be. And I'm just, I have no uh, freedom, if you will. And then over the course of their lifetime, they realized that it was kind of an in and out and in and out and a dance. I, my, I'm now officially an empty nester. My youngest has gone off to college. I have tons of work-life integration. My career has never been better. All these things are happening. But if you'd said that, that was going to be your reality 10 years, you know, 15 years from now, or whatever it is. No, you were too you stretched. Know, when I had, oh my God, <laughs> I had three young kids and I was trying to figure it out, but I didn't give myself permission to understand that that was just a phase. So, hey, and as we can a, give for, ourselves that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young parent, right? So you, yeah. you, um, you have an empty nester. Did you guys, did you guys have like a party when your kids left? Were you like, yeah, or were you like sad about it? Uh, both. both honestly it was yeah i mean honestly i love my family my kids are amazing and it was so sad that we weren't going to be together you know in that structure meanwhile i'm having the time of my life my husband and i just went skiing all weekend we got back it's like hey do we want to go out to dinner tonight what show do you want to see there's all kinds of freedoms that it brings um, yeah and i'm like so it's right in the beginning section of that you know i'm coaching soccer you know for the I love it. for the kids I and you know we did t-ball yes. last year and yeah, and it's you like, you, you know what, and I, awesome. I, you bring up an interesting point. I guess we go through this whole cycle of, you know, you have young kids and then they get older and you're, you know, involved, uh, you know, like when your kid is born, you're like evolved, you're oh. evol involved 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the older your children get, the less involved you become. Well, and, and I'll, not just us involved. Because they can become independent. Kind of engagement. Exactly. And so I think if we can give ourselves permission to recognize that our careers are long, and that right now it might be particularly intense, but it won't always be. And by the way, 
assuming your children are healthy and the baselines are there, let's start there because there, there are families that don't have that. But, it, you know, your, your kids are going to be fine, too. <laughs> and it's that <laughs> if you can give yourself that gift of of kind of a peace of mind of I'm doing my very best and I'm delivering the best I can and and my employer knows it, my team knows it, my family knows it, and you show up in that presence, which is hard to do, by the way. I'm not here to tell you I, I've never mastered this, but I'm just saying no, that's on those beautiful up. days when we can do that, life is so rich and beautiful. Showing up, right? I mean, I've probably yeah. done, I've done radio for a long time. I've done thousands of interviews and, you know, of all of the thought leadership stuff that we've done, you know, whether it's, you know, talking to influencers or, you know, uh, folks that are in the empowerment genre or, or that type. I think that's kind of a, a common denominator, no matter, you know, what type of level of success that you're looking for, like the number one thing that you can do, whether it's life or work or whatever, is just show up, be there, be present. Well, present. You can show up and not be present. Yeah, I don't mean physically. You could be cooking. I mean, literally being (laughs) present. And and being present requires us to know what we, what really we deeply value. Like, am I exactly where I'm supposed to be because I value this thing and these are my choices, or am I not? You know, am I am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes in. Yeah, and I think that's why I probably ended up being in radio and and doing media stuff because I have this, you know, like I said earlier, I just want to know a lot about everything and I'm called, you know, very inquisitive and what better way to I do that it. is to be on the internet and get on radio and interview people about all kinds of stuff. And so every exactly. interview I do, like I learn a mini, I'm a, mini PhD every right. half hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning stuff right now from you that, you know, I didn't even, you know, kind of contemplate. I mean, I've thought about some of this stuff, but, you know, I never really even thought about you know, um, I mean, I, I do, but not as to the in depth of, you know, your book with, you know, work, pause and thrive. But I never realized, especially from, you know, a women's perspective that how how that transition is, uh, you know, and I mean, obviously, I witnessed it with my wife and, you know, she, you know, did some maternity leave time and and then was back to work like right away. You know, she's she's yeah. in, she's in accounting. She's in uh, accounting. I don't know what they call them. Uh a controller, accounting controller. Yeah. yeah. She's, yeah. Well, she's my wife. So of course she's the controller. That's what she does. Right. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what? I'll tell you what's really fascinating. And Ryan, you're, you're a model of this. My book was written focused on women as the market, right? Because right. we were being told that women aren't committed. They're not navigating their careers properly. Oh, there's no women in leadership. And it's, you know, what's the matter with the women? Right. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's not really what's going on here, people. There's actually a workplace problem, but the men, um, men who are sort of owning fatherhood in a whole new way, engaged in a whole new way, and demanding from their employers the opportunity to be really deeply engaged fathers. That's yeah. so exciting to me. And we're seeing deep changes around that, which is really cool and, and will be, means it will be different for the next generation. Yeah, you know, and for me, I don't really know any different. Um, I grew up in a single mother household, you know, until I was six or seven years old. And then my mom found a, a boyfriend who eventually became her husband and my stepfather. And then unfortunately then, you know, my, I, I got a dad and they died. Oh, oh, <laughs> um, and so I grew up, lost. I grew up in this, in this, not really having, you know, the father figure. I had one, but he just wasn't there for a long time, you know, uh, yeah. you know, and so I just told myself when I have kids and, you know, when I get married, I have to do, you know, I have to do for them something that I never received in for myself. And so I just, you know, it's like an obligation, I guess, for me personally, where I feel like I have to be vetted. I need to be there. But that portion of what I've promised myself also does 
fall in line with, you know, some of those work-life balance pieces where you're like, you know, there's a little guilt there and it's like, oh, I got to work, but I said I was going to be there, but I got to take care of this. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been challenging at times to fulfill that promise to yourself to be there for your family, but also make sure that you do a really good job. And I think that's probably for most people, whether you're a man or a woman, probably the thing that is the most dealt with component of being a, a successful, you know, adult in, in your working career is that piece. And what kind of, what kind of, uh, advice do you think that you would give to somebody, you know, similar to myself in that, like, where do you start to try to just hone that in? So that negativity, not negativity, but that, you know, that feeling of anxiousness that you get, where do you start? So that can go away. I, for me, I love to start with really getting clear on my values and making sure that the life choices I'm making today, this month, this year are really aligned with my values. And the second thing is aligned with my goals. So it may be, let's say that you want to own your whole, want to own the company one day. That might be your goal, Ryan, right? But that may not happen today, right? So what are the (laughs) things you can do to get there? And how can you navigate that based on your values? Right. Does working 24-7 align with your values? Maybe it does, but that's not the only way to own the company. There's a lot of ways to get to the top. What does that look like? And I think opening your mind up, as you have already done, to true curiosity and seeing what how other people are navigating this, to me, is always so inspiring because then you learn how other people have done this thing. Here's the thing that was really fascinating to me that does have me concerned. I found so many highly successful women who had actually downshifted their careers for a period of time, either completely left the paid workforce or worked kind of reduced hours or something along those lines, consulted for a while, whatever it might look like. But they, and then they kind of went back in full time, rearing up, and they never told anyone about their, their what I call pause. They were almost hiding it because they were afraid that they wouldn't look like they were ambitious and driven and, you know, met for success. That scares me and concerns that's a, me. That's if like a societal problem that, you know, right. That's a societal problem. Like I, women shouldn't yes. have to deal with that. Like I'm in my head, I'm like, wow, you, you just had a baby. I mean, you went yes. through some, you went through some stuff. You created another human, you yes, know, and exactly. if, if you need to pause, right. So you could take care yeah. of that human. I mean, society should just know that that's the way stuff works and back off a little. Well, right. It, and well, here's the funny thing. There's all this fear about productivity. Like, oh, my God, you know, a new baby. They're not going to be productive anymore. And there's tons of interesting research about the lifetime of productivity. And if you actually look at the lifetime productivity of humans, the most productive person is a woman with kids <laughs> in terms of the workplace. So <laughs> we can actually look at that and just see how we can get stuff done. And I think that's true now of dads. It's a, as I say, it's a different model for fatherhood, right? Because you guys are so deeply engaged in a way that my father certainly wasn't. Not that he didn't care, just had a different model. And so, um, yeah, I just think it's we're in exciting times. Yeah, we, I'm all in it. I'm like mom, mom and dad are like, you know, it's not 50-50. It's I give 100 and she gives 100. Well, so, and you said another thing that I forgot to mention, um, partners matter. The women who truly had successful lives, and I meant successful lives, not just in terms of their careers, but real life satisfaction, they had partners that were true partners. And sometimes that partnership meant that her career came first and she was gunning it and his career kind of wasn't necessarily on the the front burner or vice, and they would sort of spiral off. They would really understand when each other was all in. It was almost like they were dual career couples committed to like (laughs) making sure that the family was the priority. And I don't know, it was really beautiful to watch. And it sounds like you and your wife are doing that. No, that's a good point. I go through, you know, for me, I go through these cycles where we'll be, uh, you know, at the company we have, you know, I guess we're, we're operating, right? 
We're not making yeah. anything new. We're not changing anything. We're operating. And then there comes a time, you know, we're, 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 all the stuff that we do is technology driven. So, you know, there comes a time up. Oh, we need to update our mobile app. We need to update our website. We need to, you know, add some new cool functionality. There's a new widget that came out that we think would help drive listeners, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, and you start looking at those projects and then you go, all right, well, we're going to go into project phase. And so my wife, and we've had discussions around this. She knows that when we go into project phase, this is the part of my career where I need my partner more. I need her to be more yeah. at home because I have to disengage slightly in order to, you know, do these, these cycles of new development or new technology builds and that kind of stuff. And yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It, it, it takes a, it takes a really unique uh, uh, relationship with your partner and a lot of communication. I mean, a lot of, yeah. a lot of discussion, you know, yeah. my, my wife will be like, yeah. do you really want to talk about this right now? And I'm like, well, honey, we're, we're in the car on the way to work. It's just you and I. I think it's probably the best time to talk about it. She's like, yeah, but I really like this radio show that's on right now. Exactly. You know, and then I'll just go, all right, well, then we'll talk about it on the way home. So then, you know, you come to that, you know, little bit of conclusion there and she listens to her show. And I think about what I want to talk to her about for the rest of the day. And then we talk about it on the way home. <laughs> I love it. And good for, God bless you for being patient on that. I love that. But, you know, here's the thing that I think is also really important. It's not just talking to your partner. It's also talking to your team. If you're authentic with your team, you say, hey, you know, this week's going to be hell because my kids are on, you know, spring break and <laughs> it's really awful and, you know, or whatever, you know, flu's going around the school and I got to work from home because, you know, I got sick kids or whatever. Or I'm running a marathon and I'm really passionate about that and I need to come into work late, you know, five days a week or four days a week. If you guys would be willing to allow meetings to start at, you know, 1030 as opposed to 830, that'd be awesome. That kind of have your back teamwork to me, yep. you know, that's what we do in our relationships. That's what we do with our friendships. If we can do that in our workplaces, that's when we really get high productivity collectively as a team and where people feel less anxiety and they feel more engaged and more productive. And I, and I invite, you know, certainly my colleagues and the people I consult with to really think about how can they change that communication around that and, and make sure people know I've got your back. You know, when you, when you sit back for a second and kind of think about, you know, I'm looking at your, your, uh, your PDF that you guys sent over, right. And this, this, uh, section in your book called trailblazers in action just kind of, uh, gave me a question, right. As, as you're writing these books, as you're going through this, you have to have some, you know, somebody that you look up to, right. You know, I, I look up to you right now. I mean, like, this is amazing work that you've done. This book is fantastic. You know, um, you know, reading the, the first section that you guys sent out as part of your press kit and, you know, looking at that, it's very powerful, but who do you look up to? Oh God. It's it, you're, thank you for asking. And I'll tell you, it's funny. There are trailblazers that I think are so powerful, important, a number of men and women that I think are just rocking it. They're also next generation of men and women that are rocking it. And you know, the names are extensive and you, you know, it's your neighbor. It's you, Ryan. <laughs> when I see people literally being curious, trying to do innovate, trying to do things in a new way, being open to change, that's 21st century leadership skills that we're bringing every day to what we do. And to me, that's what I find inspiring. And so, you know, rather than name 15 people <laughs> who I look up to, I'd rather say, I look up to all the humans who are out there trying to live their life with integrity every single day and who are being present and showing up. That's, we all know that's hard. Be, that's hard work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I don't want to put anyone on the pedestal. I want us all to be real and say, that's really hard work. And we're in this together. 
Oh, wow. That's amazing. So, you know, I know that you just got done with this book, but you know, what, what's next for you? What, what is a, what's on the horizon? What's your next, uh, your next journey? It's thank you for asking. And it's such a funny thing. Um, I'm really excited by what I'm seeing in terms of male leadership uh, today. You know, we've had a lot of movement around Me, Me Too and a lot of kind of this questioning, what does male leadership look like? And, and, and what is truly back to that concept of 21st century leadership? And so I'm actually in the process of beginning to write, to do research for the next book, which is going to be about male leadership in the 21st century and how men can really be part of the answer and part of the solution and already are. Oh, that's um, great. So I'll be calling you one day and interviewing <laughs> you for the book, Ryan. <laughs> hey, I'm all about it. Let's do it. Yeah, you know, we so, get yeah, we get some oh. uh, we get some really cool opportunities at Voice America to talk to, you know, amazing individuals uh, around, you know, so many so many different kind of verticals, whether it be, you know, like, you know, you with your your career things and, you know, work life balance or, you know, uh, people who talk about new pricing structures and models for professional services that don't do with hourly timesheets and value based pricing and so many cool things that are out there. And. You know, I look at, you know, what you're talking about with your next book on male leadership and, you know, you look at all these new, you know, pieces of technology and new ideas that are coming out and, you know, and then you look at who's behind a lot of those and, you know, I, I, I see some guys that are behind it, but for me being a male in the workplace, I also see a whole lot of new, like up and coming, like awesome females that are just doing some stuff that is unheard of, right. For, mm-hmm. for, you know, women in the workplace, uh, mm. what do we attribute that shift to societal, you know, how, how did that, you know, how did we go from this, you know, male ego driven component to now you have, you know, some of the coolest technology that's coming out is, is produced and created by women. Oh, you're asking such a great question. And, um, and I, I, okay, so here I am supposed to be talking about my book, work, pause, rise, go out and buy it, everybody. But what I'm really going to tell you about is another book everyone should be reading, or at least a Ted talk you should hear. Um, uh, and it's called Athena Doctrine. And it was created by the book, essentially, this, this guy went out and interviewed leaders around the, around the globe. And what he discovered is that the future of leadership today, or even today's leadership, isn't our traditional masculine structure, authoritarian, hierarchical, you know, my way or the highway. It's much more what he calls feminine, not female, but feminine. These are traits of inquisity, of collaborate, uh, you know, curiosity, of collaboration, of agility, comfort with ambiguity, um, uh, empathy. All these things that I think are really what we need to be to be really effective in the workplace today and, and in life, frankly, right? And so what I see is that we're in an environment where so many women have these skills that they're ready to share and finally the workplace is allowing them there's tools there's technological tools there's the opportunity to share this strength and ability and so yes women are rising and it's phenomenal right i'm I'm all for it but i also think that it's not female per se it's more these characteristics and traits that are really rising to the top so we're going to see great men rising in that way as well yeah. And, you know, especially around the empathy part, I, I can definitely attest that, um, you know, I have, you know, we have audio engineers that run radio shows, you know, 24 seven here in, in Phoenix in our studios. And um, I have some really young guys that run shows. And I can tell you that um, the younger generation of males definitely has more empathy from what I can tell from my, my team, you know, than like I, I did when I was their age. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? I mean, it's kind of cool. I think it's really amazing to see what 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 we consider masculinity, that kind of all-in macho thing. There's there's a rub against that right now. And I think it's really fascinating to see that transition happening. Um, the other thing you asked me kind of why are there so many look who's the most educated person on the uh, in the United States right now it's a millennial woman <laughs> right so <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're actually wondering why so many women are rising it's because they're the best educated humans in the United States so, you know you know it's funny that you bring a, that up a lot of great talent um i was uh, we do we do some really cool stuff in media like so i was at this event in 2016 in new york city um called ad tech um, and it's basically yeah. like advertising technology. It's at the Javits Center right there in New York. Um, and so I met this uh, I met this young woman there. Um, she was interning at the time. She had just finished college. Uh, she was doing her thing. I think uh, she might have been 22 or something like that. She's now 25. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I admired her. She was a really hard worker. I was like, man, I'll work with this girl anytime. She's she's on it, you know. Um, especially when you're out doing an event and we're broadcasting live and all that, you know, you got to really be on top of stuff. She was helping out with social media. Uh, and, and I thought, I thought that she was really cool. And then yesterday I'm scrolling through my newsfeed, her and I are friends on Facebook. And I noticed she just started, uh, she started a new, a new, uh, I don't know if it's a company or if it's an initiative, but it's called her first hundred K. And, oh uh, my God, I love right? it, right? And so I'm <laughs> Own like, it, girl. yeah, and I'm like, this is amazing. And so basically her entire company is about helping um, young women save their first hundred thousand dollars, you know, uh, wow. whether they be an entrepreneur starting a business or they're, you know, uh, just getting into business. And then I'm, I'm reading farther along in the, in the article that she wrote, she, she's a blogger and all that kind of stuff. And I'm reading in the article and at the very bottom of the article, she said, and yes, I am 25 years old and I have already saved my first hundred K. Oh my God. What a rock star. Right? I was like, it's like, let's own it. Let's make it happen. Let's figure it out. Yeah, I, so I'm like, cool. I want to call her and hire her to come work at voice America, but she's going to tell me no. Yeah, she's already you know, got her own company. But yeah, it was just, you know, you talk about up and coming female, you know, leadership and, you know, some of those things. And that's just a perfect example. We have an initiative here at Voice America that we're, we're kicking off. Um, and, and it's a it's a it's a women's uh, leadership initiative. We're uh, creating blocks of programming on our Voice America influencers channel uh, and bringing oh, on it. radio shows around you know, women in leadership. And the first show that we brought on um, uh, for this that we're going to be launching in, in uh, I think, about six weeks um, is, a, is a group called Lead Up for Women, which I thought you would be interested in knowing about. Um, and it's, it's exactly around all of these things that you talk about as well. Um, but the whole idea behind it is providing, you know, uh, classes and mentoring ship and, uh, and, and leadership training for women entrepreneurs to allow them to, you know, uh, take that next step and go a little bit uh, further uh, th than where they are in their career. And so we wanted to get into that, too. And we're like, well, all right, well, if you guys are going to do that, then guess what? We're going to make a block of programming that's specifically dedicated to women and, and leveraging thought leadership and, you know, all the all the components that, uh, that that you might need to become successful and build a network around that. So I'd like to invite I you to become part of that. Oh my God, I would love it. I'd be honored. And I'll tell you a little secret. What I understand is a lot of young men are listening to these shows because there's not a lot of great programming for guys to figure out how they can be great leaders, right? right. And we think it exists, but it doesn't. So we're, I'm hearing of young men actually listening to a lot of these shows because they're saying, I need these skills. These skills aren't gendered. I have yeah, to figure right. this out too. And I love that. 
So, no, they're um, not gendered. Just just like just like that work life balance we've been talking about. It's not gendered. Right? It is not gendered. And if we think it is, then we're doing something wrong. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has just been a wonderful interview. Before we before we go, though, I want you to uh, give the audience uh, uh, some contact information. Where can they find the book? What's your website? You know, all of those cool things. Uh, uh, where can people find you? Oh, thank you. So you can find me on Twitter, Leeson, L-I-S-E-N, Stromberg, S-T-R-O-M-B-E-R-G. Love Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me all there. The book Work Pod Thrive just came out in paperback. I'm thrilled to say, and you can find it on Amazon. I'd be thrilled if you read it and reviewed it. That'd be an honor. Um, and hey, just reach out. You can find my website, LeesonStromberg.com, and I'd love to connect with any and all of you. Awesome. Leeson, thank you so much for joining us and uh, make sure you guys go check out that book. It's fantastic. I read the excerpt uh, from your media kit, you know, blew me away. I think it's, you know, men, woman, whatever. If you're a teenager, right, you're getting ready to finish high school. I think this is important information for, you know, anybody, whether you're already in your career or you're starting a career or whatever the case may be, you know, definitely, you know, go get a copy of the book. Follow Leeson. She's got some other cool stuff that's coming out. And we want to thank you again for joining the show. It's an honor. Thanks, Ryan. And keep rocking it. You're making the world change. You're better. Oh, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, Again, go check us out all over social media at Radio Ryan 1, at Jeff Spinney 2, the website, findingyourfrequency.net. And of course, you can find us major podcast sites. Make sure you like us, share us, tweet us. I don't know if they'll give six, but we'll take it if you can get it to us. Uh, And again, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, We'll have another show coming at you shortly. Stay tuned right here. Finding Your Frequency, Voice America. 